Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 316. Yes, as promised, I'm getting back on the horse and rolling out an episode on a Monday. I told you all in the last episode that I was going to dive back in, get more episodes out to everyone that follows along here at the back of the range. So let's see how long I can keep this streak alive with new episodes rolling out every Monday. And maybe, just maybe, more than one a week. We shall see. I just got back from the Annika Intercollegiate in Lake Elmo, Minnesota. There was a four-way tie for the individual medalist position, and the team title went to the ladies from South Carolina. Had a great time in Minnesota covering this tournament, but I was also there for another big reason and a big announcement. If you didn't see the news on my social media channels, it was announced that the back of the range will serve as a brand ambassador for the Annika Award and the Haskins Award this year. Absolutely thrilled to work with all the great people at the Annika and Haskins Foundations. My goal as their brand ambassador is to do what I always do promote amateur and college golf. So that means I'll be heading out to more men's and women's college golf tournaments, more episodes with players and coaches. And yes, I will be there at both national championships in California this spring as these awards are handed out to the very best Division I men's and women's collegiate golfer of the year. So very exciting news. Special thanks to Brian Stubbs, the executive director of the Haskins Foundation, Always fun working with him and spending time with him. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a very exciting college golf season. And this is a great way to kick it off. Little housekeeping item. Let's talk about the merch shop. So the cupboard is, uh, shall we say, it's bare. I'm almost out of hoodies. I'm almost out of hats. The golf towels are gone. So I'm going to be stocking up on some new items. And, um, and here's the question. So what do you want me to order that has the back of the range logo on it? I need some ideas. I, I can get more hoodies. I can get more hats. But um, DM me on Instagram or email me, ben at thebackoftherange.com. Uh, I need some creativity. So help me out, and uh, we'll get this merch shop uh, stocked back up again in time for the holidays. See? Threw that in there. My guest on this episode of The Back of the Range is the victorious captain of the 2023 United States Walker Cup team, Mike McCoy. Back in March of 2022, Mike was named the captain, and if you're unfamiliar with his playing record, well, simply put, it is, uh, it's staggering. He's an 11-time player of the year in his home state of Iowa. He won the U.S. Mid-Am in 2013. He was on the Walker Cup team in 2015. He's played in 68 USGA championships. That's, uh, that's Paul Simpson numbers right there. He's won the Crump four times, the Coleman three times, the Thomas, the list goes on and on. And just in case you're thinking that these are all past achievements listed in some dusty leather-bound record book somewhere, well, here's another one for you. He won the British Senior Amateur just a few months after being named the United States Walker Cup captain. Uncle Mike can golf his ball. This has been a two-year journey for McCoy, but his captaincy really ramped up this year in 2023. I started seeing him at more and more collegiate and amateur golf tournaments, 
and the phone calls back and forth started becoming more frequent. And once the summer hit, well, he was on the road almost as much as I was. McCoy was fully invested in the players that would make up the U.S. Walker Cup team, and his passion was on full display in St. Andrews. In this episode, we spoke about his experience in St. Andrews, how the team came together, and the stressful moment Saturday night after the team was three points down and staring defeat in the face. Side note, this is not Mike's first time joining me for a chat here at the back of the range. I actually had to look it up. He was a guest way back in 2018 on episode 39. Yes, the first year of the back of the range. So if you want to learn more about Mike starting the game, go listen to that episode. And if you also want to go listen to a rookie podcaster still trying to figure out what the hell he was doing, yeah, you can go listen to that episode. It's kind of like a twofer. So learn more about Mike and have a laugh at my expense. Let's get this episode underway. Uncle Mike, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm great, Ben. It's... uh... It's good to be home, and uh, it's good to be home with a win. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking uh, who else had uh, the type of summer that we had where we were on the road at just about every single uh, amateur tournament and then uh, spent quite a bit of time over over in Scotland. Um, we'll get into exactly how long uh, we were over in St. Andrews. Um, seemed like Groundhog Day to me, just every single day waking up and doing the exact same thing, but um, a lot of fun, to be honest with you. What What do you miss about Scotland? Not golf related, but just the day to day. I'm I'm I know the the Bellhaven was was pretty good and the Guinness was good, but that that came after the win. What do you miss most about St Andrews? Well, the you know we had beautiful weather. Um, you know the the temperature was great. The sun was shining. Um, the golf course was in beautiful condition. So, you know, that was very pleasant. Um, and of course the thing that was really special where there were so many friends, family, uh, supporters of the amateur game, the leaders of golf in general, whether it be, uh, you know, Fred Ridley from Augusta and Seth Waugh from the PGA and Mike Wan from the USGA and really all the leadership of all the major uh, golf bodies were there and, um, you know, and just really close friends. So, you know, those were, those were the things that made that week special. I tried to explain to people when they asked me like, Hey, how's St. Andrews, how's Walker cup. And of course, you know, we could talk about the play that we saw um, by, by the great players on both sides. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I kind of described it as if, it was kind of like Hall of Fame weekend for amateur golf. There was a game to be played like they do at the Hall of Fame game in, in Canton for the NFL. So there was a game played. But the fun part for me also was just walking around town and, oh, yeah, there's Nathan Smith. Oh, there's Buddy Marucci. Oh, they're just bumping into people. And like you said, all the leadership, it, it really felt almost like, like I said, like a like a Hall of Fame reunion or, or a class reunion. But everyone just is, is, you know, just, just studs in the amateur game. It was just such a really kind of unique environment. It was a special week. And, and, uh, you know, I tip my hat to the RNA for making it so special. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the hundredth anniversary, the 49th plane, uh, they, they, 
went all out and 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 frankly everybody turned out and it was just it was really um you know one of those magical weeks and you know somebody's life and and uh, certainly in the the life of the walker cup you know it, it it i think it demonstrated that the walker cup and and at least amateur golf to this point is still in a good position and um it's going to have a place going forward as well 100 percent. well i'm not going to take you all the way back to march 2022 when you were announced as the uh, the captain for the 2023 team but i i want to dig into a little bit of the summer and you know uh, we were both firmly entrenched with everything that was going on this summer uh, me with the elite amateur golf series you're trying to scout players and see who's going to be on your team and i got a lot of questions that you know, I didn't, <laughs> I kind of didn't answer because I didn't really want to go into detail on it on a podcast or even in person with people. But, you know, I, I got a lot of questions like, hey, why did it take so long for the team to get announced? And why are they waiting till after the U.S. Amateur? And, you know, as someone that followed amateur golf as closely as I did, like I, I knew all the answers to that, but I didn't, like I said, didn't want to get into the details. But, you know, for the majority of the summer, you had, you know, you had Gordon Sargent, you had Michael Thor Bjornsson and David Ford on the team. Obviously, Nick Dunlap really jumps out um, by winning the Northeast and the North and South back to back. So he gets added. Then Caleb Surratt, who really just, you know, fantastic year and a lot of close calls in the summer. He gets on the team. Now we lose Thor Bjornsson to injury. So now we're back down to four. And you have five to six spots that you have to fill and it's after the USAM. So can you maybe talk a little bit about what that week was like for you at the USAM and also just kind of the the pressure and the uncertainty that you were feeling just literally a, a week before, you know, wheels up to St. Andrews? Right. Well, it, uh, it, it you know, certainly it was a suspenseful summer for me yeah. uh, uh, because – you know, you were waiting and obviously Nick Dunlap uh, was the one who jumped out and really uh, made a statement in the summer and said, I'm going to make this team and, and obviously had a great summer. Uh, it it would have been nice to have had more of the team selected prior to the U S amateur, but, you know, but quite frankly, it was, you know, it was really close. Uh, the international team selection committee, had, you know, a list of players and, you know, everybody was, you know, some of the guys that, you know, early on, they say, say at the start of summer, you know, we had a number of players that almost looked like dead locks, yeah. but then they, then they struggled uh, a bit in the summer after coming off maybe a terrific college season. And, and so, you know, there was some hesitancy to, you know, we were waiting for them to have that good week to kind of show that they've, turn their form around and really um you know it, it it really took quite frankly right up through the u.s amateur despite the fact that you know i think everyone would have liked to have had more players selected it just wouldn't have been fair yeah to the group to the group as a whole to make a pre you know premeditated decision before really seeing you know the final the final acts of the play and so you know, for instance, Ben James had a wonderful U.S. amateur, uh, and I think even Ben would admit, you know, he struggled a little bit during the summer, and and 
You know, we needed, you know, by giving Ben that extra week uh, and by holding off, I think, you know, it gave him that chance to make the team. And he made his statement, you know, really in those, those final days of summer. Um, so, it, you know, that was the process. It was it was suspenseful. It was a pressure filled for the players. And I've I've been there. And it's tough. I mean, you you know, you want it so badly. Yeah. Sometimes that gets in the way of performance. And I, you know, I was kind of factoring that in a little bit too, to trying to, you know, um, understand maybe why some guys weren't playing to their normal form. And so uh, anyway, it all worked out, but it was it was a uh, it was tough and and it obviously made logistically things a lot more challenging at the end and and of course you know it didn't give us the time that we would have liked uh, to at least have a week together where we could have uh, actually practiced together and and spent a little bit of time uh, uh, you know doing some things bonding and. You know, we got all of that done. We got it done in a shorter time frame, but uh, you know, it would have been nice to have an extra week or two. Yeah, no, I, I, that's well said, and I explain that to a lot of people. I would just use. I mean, you brought up Ben James as a perfect example. I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, freshman of the year. I think he won five times. I mean, he's coming out of college. Just, I mean, get him a ticket on the on the plane because he's a lock. And then, yeah, his form just kind of his form really suffers and. Another thing is that, like you said, a lot of players' form was just no one was stepping up. And I know that had been frustrating for selectors, for you, for the players, for the parents, for just everyone involved. And uh, you're right. Ultimately, uh, the right team made made it over there. The right guys were there. Um, you mentioned about uh, this is definitely uh, inside, uh, you know, inside, not inside the team room stuff because you haven't gotten there yet, but... You know the guys sure did look good. You look good too, and and uh, with wearing Peter Millar stuff. And and this isn't a a ad spot for Peter Millar because I don't have any of their stuff, so don't worry about that. But I'm just the volume of stuff that those guys had from a apparel side. I don't know if anyone truly understands the volume of stuff. At some point, even you'd kind of look and say, "All right, this is this is incredible." But uh, where's all this stuff going to go? Right. It, it, uh, again, added to the logistic challenge. Right. How do you, because, yeah. you know, it was, uh, a lot of tailoring and all these alterations had to be made and it all had to be done. You know, part of them were, were done in Colorado prior to the amateur for, for, you know, the four players that we had and, and myself. And then of course, once the team was assembled, we went to New York and, we spent uh, a day at Peter Millar and we had more tailoring done. And then we even had to have some final items tailored once we uh, made it to St. Andrews in Scotland. And so that was, uh, that was a challenge. I, I do have to say that the folks at Peter Millar were really wonderful to work with. They were, I think, excited to be a part of dressing the, you know, their first USGA team. Yeah. Uh, I know the USGA was excited, you know, to, uh, you know, to launch the new partnership. And um, so it was fun. Uh, we got to know their designers and we had, 
a really terrific guy, Pat Kiley, who was kind of our point person. And of course, even their CEO got very involved, uh, Scott Mahoney. And, and they just went all out and, and really made, made, made every aspect of from, from, you know, my wife and I starting the, the selection process of the uniforms and the colors and, at the PGA show, you know, in January, right up into, you know, the final day before we left for Scotland, when we, we spent, you know, half a day in the Peter Millar store. Um, and, you know, it, it was, a that was really, you know, part of the fun experience and really was, was one of the ways the team bonded. Um, you know, we didn't have necessarily the luxury of, uh, doing other things, but it was fun. And uh, when we were in the Peter Millar store, uh, the the folks at Peter Millar were helping some of the guys that maybe haven't had to wear a tie much in their life, and they were <laughs> very, they were giving very... them some lessons and tying a tie. And and uh, some of the guys on the team that were pretty good at it were helping each other. Uh-huh. And it was really a uh, it was a, you know, it was several hours of just having a good time together and really enjoying the the whole process and um, trying things on, and uh, we we really had a good time. I think looking back on it, it was really fun. Gordon Sargent fell in love with the uh, uh, the sweater. The uh, oh, geez, now I'm. I'm now, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. I forgot to mention you, you have all the points you need. You've won the Walker cup. These guys, you can throw them under the bus a little bit. It's fine. You already got all the points out of them you need. So, uh, to that point, who is the biggest, uh, you know, fashionista of the team? And then who is also the one that literally just like buttoning a shirt, it might be just a, uh, just too much of a task. Like talk to me about the guys that really dove into it well. And the other ones that like just yeah. couldn't figure it out. Well, uh, Gordon fell in love, you know, with the cardigan sweater. Love and, it. and of course, when we walked into the Peter Millar store and they took us upstairs into kind of a private, uh, private room, which was really displayed with, with all the uniforms and the mannequins were wearing, um, the different things we were going to be wearing during the, the competitive play. Yeah. Uh, we had some shots with Gordon and the, and the, and the cardigan next to the mannequin. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and Gordon's a pretty reserved guy. So it was nice to see him kind of get out of his, uh, his game, game face uh, mode sure. and, and kind of have a little fun. And uh, it kind of showed uh, a little bit more of his personality Poor Ben James. I think Ben, <laughs> Ben just he couldn't get things buttoned up. He things were a mess. His collars, uh, he just it was like he never wore a button-down shirt before. And uh, oh, that's great. I think he's been a t-shirt and a golf shirt guy. And and so anyway, we uh, it, but but it was fun because no, I know you know everybody kind of started helping him out and. Uh, and it was great. Preston Summerhays, you know, has had some experience wearing ties, you know, I think, you know, probably, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, more formal events or church, church events or things like that. So Preston was helping people tie a tie and, 
um, anyway, it was, it was a great, uh, two, three hours and we had a lot of fun and, and in the end of the day, I think we looked pretty good when we got out there. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, yeah, you guys did. I just, I was privy to a couple moments in the team room and I saw a few things that, uh, and I'm glad you brought up Ben James, cause I will definitely be bringing that up to him when I have him on the podcast in the next week or so, because I think, uh, yeah, I mean, basically, from what I could tell, if we could just get him in the right clothes and get him to the tee, we're fine. But that would be the biggest, that's the biggest task of the day. Just someone make sure we can get Ben to the right, uh, to wearing the right uniform and to the tee, and, uh, which, which you did. And uh, you know, definitely right. a big contributor. Um, you mentioned being over there for, for and doing a lot of team building there. I don't know if people understand just how long you were there. Um, team left on august 25th and had that uh that all-night flight got in with uh basically what felt like 4 a.m but actually it was about 9 a.m in scotland so you, you know the first day over there for people that have not been over to the uk coming from the states you you don't go to sleep that first day you can't you need to stay up all day to get your clock uh acclimated so no matter where you're coming from, whether it's New York or Kansas City or, or whatever, your first day in, in the UK is is grueling, and that's your start. And you were there starting off the 26 and immediately went to go play a practice round over at Dunbarney just to kind of keep the adrenaline moving. Um, you know, this is a lot of time away from family and friends. You know, most of these guys have school, except for you know that that old guy on the team. Uh, and I'm not I'm not talking about you. Um, what, what were, what were, or Robbie, I'm not talking about Robbie's all saying, we all know who I'm talking about, that lanky guy. Um, what, um, what were the first few days like for you as a captain, finally having all the guys together? Well, it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, kind of a sigh of relief that, you know, here we are, we're finally assembled. We're, you know, we all made it on the flight. We all safely arrived. Uh, and we went to Dunbarney and I thought it was good just to, just to, like you said, keep the guys up, get some fresh air in them. We, um, uh, we played at, you know, a beautiful golf course. I would encourage, you know, any, anybody making the journey to the St. Andrews area to add Dunbarney to their list of bucket list courses to play. It sits right on, right on the coast and, just a beautiful design, beautifully conditioned, uh, well-managed operation, uh, wonderful caddies. So we, we had a great day. The guys played their own ball and just kind of knocked some of the cobwebs off. And, um, you know, it was the beginning of, you know, I was trying to become cognizant of, of their energy level. And, you know, we obviously got everybody back after a nice day at the golf course, we got everybody back to the hotel and, 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 you know, let everybody check in and kind of get their uh, suitcases, multiple suitcases unpacked. And, and we had a, you know, real casual dinner in the team room and, and it was just, uh, just to, you know, keep it, keep it light and not very formal and get them to bed, you know, at a reasonable hour and, we let everybody sleep in a little bit. And then of course, Sunday came and, uh, you know, we, we, we went out and had a, uh, uh, you know, one of the senior caddies of St. Andrews, uh, fellow is well known as Jonesy. He's caddied for a lot of the great players, Adam Scott in particular, 
had used him a number of times while playing in the British Opens over in, in Europe. And so he knew the golf course with the back of his hand. And so he walked with the team and myself and we, uh, we spent, you know, two, three hours out there really just walking each hole, talking about the angles, looking at potential hole locations. And, and then, you know, once that, that was kind of a, I think a nice way to get introduced to the golf course, we went over and played Kings barn later that afternoon. And uh, again, let the guys play their own ball. Again, part of this, just, you know, trying to acclimate themselves to the time zone. And, and so, um, you know, we got done and, and then we, you know, kind of took, took him into town and actually had a wonderful evening at the Dunvegan, which is obviously kind of the, one of the more well-known 19th holes in the game. And, uh, they set up a private room for the team and we had a, had a really nice dinner in the, in the back room. And I think the guys got a little bit of feel for, yeah. Uh, you know, the town of St. Andrews and how the, how the community embraces uh, golf in general there. And so uh, it was a great evening. And, and of course, then, you know, Monday, the, the work was really going to get started and, sure. and we were going to be, begin our work on the golf course at St. Andrews. And so, um, but that was, you know, the first few days were, were really a little bit more bonding, a little bit of let's get our guys you know, let's get the clothes unpacked. Let's get them adjusted to the time. Let's keep them, you know, get them rested. And, um, and so that was, you know, that was kind of what we accomplished the first few days we were there. And then the work began really Monday through Friday in terms of really, really trying to figure out our foursomes pairings and then learn the golf course. What was um, now? I know when you were on the team in 2015, uh, everyone gave you that that nickname, Uncle Mike, because you know I believe you were what the second or third oldest Walker Cupper, U.S. Walker Cupper in history. So you're 50 years old, and you got guys on that team that are 20, 19, 23, whatever. Not to not to throw a lot of big numbers at you, but you know, 10 years later or almost 10 years later, now the age gap is like 40 years. Um, I'm not really, uh, you know, making any points with my guest right now, but the, it's okay. We're, facts are facts. <laughs> but I guess what are, where I'm going with this, other than to say that you're old, Mike, is just for me to say, how did you like? How did you relate and kind of build that bond with these guys in just a short amount of time, and then still kind of bridge that age gap? I mean. You know, yes, I know you have an Instagram account, but you're not on it as much as these guys. You're not texting people back home. Um, yeah. You know, how did you kind of bridge that and kind of get them, you know, all on the same page and also, you know, playing for you, playing for the country? Right. Well, I, uh, it, you know, the process did start really a year and a half earlier. And, you know, we my wife and I, Tana, we, we made a lot of trips to different tournaments some college events, obviously most of the major amateur events, uh, U S opens, U S amateurs. And, and, and through that process, you know, we met these young men and, and we met their families, their moms and dads, uh, I met most of their college coaches, uh, 
you know, I had friends like you, Ben, who know these people very well, who kind of shared some background and, 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 you know, over that year and a half, you learn what, what kind of motivates these guys? What do they like to do besides golf? Um, you know, what were they studying in school? Um, and so, you know, you try to get to know them as a person, not just a golfer. And, and, you know, I think that investment of time really paid dividends, you know, when we were down at crunch time and we really needed to, you know, put, put things together in a way that gave us an opportunity to, 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 you know, to potentially win the cup when we were in a difficult situation. And so I'm happy it was, you know, it was a big commitment, but I'm happy I made that commitment because I did, I did get to know them and, and there's no question. I, you know, I'm, I have children, you know, that are, uh, you know, nearly, you know, that age. And, you know, my youngest daughter is, you know, 23. And so, you know, I, I'm not totally removed from that generation, right, but, right. but, you know, I have a wonderful team manager, Robbie Zalznak, who, who can kind of just turn into a 22 year old kid <laughs> in a way. And, and, uh, oh, please tell you me know, Robbie story. can, please come on. Yeah. Well, Robbie can be just very, very, uh, well, he's, he's a professional and yes. he's been through so many of these and, you know, he guided me through the process and there were things I wanted to do that he just said, look, it's not going to work because, uh, we've got this commitment and we have that right. commitment and, you know, and so that was helpful. Uh, but then he could, you know, get, he got on the ping pong table with them and I, he, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think that's that has to be a prerequisite. If you're going to be the the, the the manager of the Walker Cup team, you have to be able to whip their ass in ping pong. Like you, you have to, you have to have that. Well, he he uh, he certainly can play ping pong, and and uh, you know he took on all comers. But anyway, he made it fun, and and I think we teamed up well in that respect. Uh, you know, my focus was you know, trying to figure out the pairings and the order of play and, and, uh, the golf course and the weather and, you know, those things. And Robbie made sure everybody had showed up in the right, you know, shirt and pants. Yes. And, and, uh, and when they did it, he may, he may had some fun with it, but, uh, oh, uh we made a good, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we made you know, we, we really, he makes it a lot more fun uh, then probably anybody, I, I, I just can't imagine anybody doing his job better, but we, you know, I think we made a good team and, and, uh, I think I had the players respect and, uh, and I think Robbie kept them smiling. And I just think we, you know, we, we really had a great chemistry in the room between all 10 players and and myself and certainly Robbie and and so we were in we were really um and you know these guys have known each other yeah. uh, I think that's the other thing that's a little different uh about the Walker Cup these days you know it's obviously you're going to have younger teams just because the young guys you know are the best players and They've played, you know, junior golf, even though they're from different parts of the country, they've played these AJGA events and then 
from there, they've played U.S. juniors. And then from there, they've obviously, you know, they've started college and, and they, you know, they run into each other, you know, it seems like uh, frequently during the college year. And then they play the same tournaments in the summer. And so these, these 10 people were pretty darn good friends uh, and knew each other very well. And so, you know, there was, there's, there's, it wasn't as hard to create the chemistry as maybe it would have been had there been four or five mid amateurs on the team who really maybe don't share that same uh, history. And, and so uh, we, we did have great chemistry and, and there were a lot of friendships that were, you know, that, you know, that came into the, the process that was sort of preordained just because of their long history together. I know that you, um, I know you want to kind of have that moment that you can pinpoint where it hits everyone that, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm playing for the United States of America in the Walker Cup and I'm on the world stage and I'm representing my country. And, uh, you know, I saw, you know, a couple of the guys, you know, I'd, I'd chat with them out there and, and they'd be like, you know, kind of that sheepish grin, like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I, I know I wanted to be on the Walker Cup team, but now I'm starting to get it. Well, uh, I know they all got it, but man, that Friday opening ceremony, if that didn't hammer it home, uh, it was just one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. I mean, the flyover and the speeches and just, you know, the, the tradition, you're raising flags and, and, you know, you raised uh, the United States flag that, you know, that had to have been a moment where coming back that evening, I'm guessing there was a little bit of a different vibe in the team room Friday night. Yeah. And, you know, literally, you know, several thousand people showed up just for the flag raising and the, and the procession in behind the Scottish bagpipe band and drums. And, uh, you know, we came over the Swillican bridge and we're all, you know, outfitted in our, in our Walker cup blazers and our American cufflinks. And, uh, we just, you know, I think at that point, they realize that this is this is bigger than just a little get together golf match against you know another team. This is this is kind of a historic uh, event that's important to the game, and they're going to be forever a part of it now. And I think they they got that as they had to really parade in across the. 18th and the first hole and and up behind the band and then sit on the first tee looking back at this massive crowd uh and and hear their national anthem played and watch their flag go up it it you know if it didn't if it didn't move all of them i i'd be shocked because you know i sat there for a second and just said soak this in you know this is you know this is obviously never going to happen again in your life and and, and make sure you enjoy this. And, and, you know, I, I do, I, I remember almost every aspect of that and uh, I'm sure they're going to remember a lot of it. And it was a great way to kick, kick the event off. And I tip my hat to the RNA because they, they made sure the hundredth went off oh, in yeah. style. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, I mean, just, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you saw it either, but uh, there's a guy in town. His name's David Joy. Uh, he does a great impersonation. Actually, I've seen him do it other times where he dresses up as old Tom Morris 
And I'm not sure if you saw that because you were facing, you were looking down one, but he was behind all of you guys just standing up there. And I'll have to send you a picture of it because he was, it was very, I mean, it was perfect. You got old Tom Morris watching over the, the Walker Cup uh, opening ceremonies. It was incredible. Yeah, I did get a, I did, I did see him and, okay. uh, and it was like, there was really, his spirit was right, there right? and it was like, wow, this is almost like, uh, uh, you know, something, something, uh, just traveling back through time. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And again, that was just another example of how the RNA, uh, gave a lot of thought to the, to the, to the opening ceremony. So you, you sleep the best you can Friday night, uh, knowing that this is the, the last, last night's sleep you have before actually pegging it and getting the ball in the air. Um, we're not going to obviously go through every single match, but, uh, you know, Saturday foursomes go out, you lead off with, uh, Gordon and Dylan Minetti, they get you a win. And, uh, that's pretty much all we uh, did on Saturday morning on a U.S. side. Yeah. Uh, Surratt and James lose to Callum Scott and Connor Graham three and two. And then you have two really tight matches that uh, that end on 18 in the GB&I favor. Uh, Summerhays and Ford lose to McLean and Goff, and then you know Dunlap and Hagestead lose to McGuire and Ashfield. And you're uh, you're down three one, and uh, you send the singles out, and you know a, a little better, but but you know not much. You pick, got wins out of Caleb and Gordon and uh, and Hagestad. And uh, Preston did salvage a half uh, to McLean, but kind of felt like a loss, I think, after he missed uh, missed a putt on 18. And then, right. you know, you got guys that uh, that lost, you know, Dunlap and Ford, Greaser, and Gabrelsic lose. And after we uh, rattle through all of that, uh, you're down three heading into, you know, heading into Sunday, which is, again, the second day is also the final day. So, um, right. you know... Everyone thought, oh, my gosh, this is just a, a juggernaut and the U.S. team's going to drive every green and they're all ranked in the top 20 and, you know, this is just way too much power. Um, destri- describe maybe just the wake-up call of that first day back when you get in that team room. Well, it was it was somber. Uh, you know, we uh, as soon as we finished play, uh, we had to go to the media center and do do some interviews. Yeah which weren't a lot of fun either. I mean, you know, you know, Hey Mike, why are are you losing? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Alex Michelli, you know, says, look, you know, it just historically when you're down three, you know, it just, nobody's almost never came back from that kind of a deficit to, to win. And I, I wasn't as familiar with that history and, (laughs) Uh, it, you know, it was, it was, you know, made your, made your mouth go dry a little bit. And, yeah. and so, um, we didn't have a lot of time to submit our rosters once we got back to the team room. And, and so, you know, I think that was probably the most critical moment that we had as a group. Uh, and it was probably the one time that, you know, I, I just, I really kind of looked everybody in the eye and, you know, asked them, were they hurt? Were they sick? Were they ready to go? Right. I, I challenged a couple people who I thought weren't feeling well. I challenged some folks that I thought, you know, just were worn out and maybe didn't, didn't have the energy they needed and, and, you know, really trying to 
get some feedback from the group and and you know obviously all of these guys wanted to play and uh you know they were all giving me you know the sign that they were they were ready to go for sunday morning and uh you know and i i again i gotta just say a couple words about stewart you know, yeah, uh, I was just and, I was just about to talk about him, but yeah, go ahead and uh, yeah. well, and Stu Stu had, had been great from start to finish, and you know I I do have to hand it to Stu because he is you know he is a mid am and he does now have an active career where he's you know he's he's playing in the big leagues of you know corporate finance and he's he's involved with a very prominent firm and and so you know, he's, he's, you know, was kind of like myself, you know, so he, he had other obligations and, and, you know, but he made that effort. And, and of course he had the, uh, you know, uh, a good summer, but really was really a, a wonderful tournament at the Western amateur where he, he made the sweet 16 and, yeah. and really played great golf. And, and I just, I just felt that, uh, he was his game was equal you know really to any of the the college players um but his leadership really came through and his graciousness he he reminded me that he his foursome record you know had not been that great and his singles record was much stronger yeah and of course you know i had him with nick dunlap who's been the hottest player of the summer and our national amateur champion they got beat and Stu just said, listen, I think it makes sense for me to sit. And that was, that was obviously, you know, that was helpful. I was going to play him. There was no doubt I would have played him because, you know, he was one of the guys who won his singles match on, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And so uh, I had a lot of confidence in Stu that he could go out and, and, you know, really help us get a point in the morning. But he, he really, um, you know, he took some leadership and, and volunteered to sit, which, you know, is a pretty gracious move uh, for a competitive person like, like Stu is. And so anyway, so I looked at everybody and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to get into what I told each of the guys, sure. uh, but I, I left the room and I just, I said, I needed 10 minutes to think this over. In the meantime, the RNA were pacing in the hallway waiting <laughs> for our roster and, Robbie had already pre-filled in the, the, uh, the paperwork of, of how we were going to do this. And based on, you know, our, our initial plan a, if you will. Right. And, and I, I just, something inside me told me, you know, we needed to go to plan B because plan a wasn't working. Wow. Okay. So, and, so just to clarify, so it was the, the sheet was filled out and it was kind of a last minute change within those 10 minutes. That's right. We wow. had about 10, 10 minutes. And, and so I just told Robbie, let's tear that up and start over. And, and so, and after you pick Robbie up off the floor, then you guys get to work. <laughs> right. And, and, uh, and, and we were prepared for, we, we had a plan B because yeah. earlier in the week we did, we did uh, have the guys play some different combinations of foursomes um, just because, you know, if something wasn't working or the chemistry wasn't right, or somebody, you know, was injured or wasn't feeling well, we needed, you know, we needed to have another combination that we felt good about. And right. so, 
you know, the easy decision was, you know, we were going to leave Ben James and Caleb together. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they're really, you know, two, two of the best players, amateur players in the world, their best friends. We didn't even have them play a different combination during the week. We felt so strongly that they were the right combination that, you know, I wasn't going to break that team apart, even though they, they got beat on Saturday morning, they played well. They just ran into two really hot players. Yeah. I think they were four, and, and, four under uh, in their in their Saturday morning. And yeah, just to, just to piggyback on what you said, not to, to cut you off. I just was so impressed with how those two guys just buddied up the entire week. And yeah, uh, I mean, Caleb got points. He got, you know, just his leadership, just, I mean, I've known him since before he started at Tennessee and the level of maturity that that kid has added is uh, incredible. Super impressed with his week, not to cut you off, but yeah. So Surratt and James together. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, And then, yeah. So Dunlap and Sargent. That was, yeah. yeah, Dunlap and Sargent. And that was one where I was, I was, I was reluctant to break Sargent and Manetti up because they had won a point and they have that uh, similar, quick rhythm they both like to play you know without a lot of delay um they won a point and normally you just don't break a winning team up but uh you know i felt like uh i needed austin greaser and i you know austin greaser uh, goes to north carolina dylan manetti goes to north carolina it it seemed like that would be a natural fit. They've played a lot of golf together. Um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, Greaser had, had, uh, you know, a nagging injury and really didn't get to play a lot of golf in the summer. He, he came back at the end of summer and, and demonstrated that, you know, he was healthy and ready to go. Um, but it, but in fairness to him, you know, he, he wasn't as sharp as he would have been had he had, you know, a full summer of competitive golf. And, yeah. uh, but, but I knew how competitive he was and I knew that he understood because he had played on a world amateur team that he knew the, the importance and the magnitude of playing for your country. And he's obviously got a wonderful match play record. And I just knew, you know, we, we needed to get him out there and I really did want to play everybody three times. So I, I made the decision to put the two Tar Heels out there together. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I, you know, I needed a point and, and I figure if, you know, if uh, Nick Dunlap and Gordon Sargent can't get me a point, we're in big, big trouble. And so I, I put what I thought, you know, and then I think everybody in the world knows is that, you know, we had the two, top players and I put them out together and I'm not saying they guaranteed a point, but they, uh, they made it pretty clear that they weren't going to get beat. And uh, just to show you how tough these GB and I guys were, I mean, they took them right to the, right to the finish. And I was, I think they were pretty relieved to get that point. I know I was happy to get it, but uh uh, you know, I think that was a good move at the time. And then of course, Preston Summerhays just, you know, played magnificent golf and, and, and I think Nick Grabelsic, you know, probably one of the guys that maybe people didn't know as well. He plays for a smaller school, North Florida. And, 
but you know, I watched Nick play a lot of golf and Nick was in, in good form. And, uh, I just thought the two of them together were going to be really tough because, you know, neither one was going to put the other in a bad position. They're just playing too well. And I watched Nick make some big putts and Preston was making some putts and, and, uh, you know, I just felt that was a good combination. And, and, and David Ford was battling, uh, some sort of a bug, a virus, or, you know, you know, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't complaining and he was reassuring us that he could go, but I knew he needed, you know, he needed a little more rest and he needed to slip, sleep in. And I just said, David, I'm going to rest you in the morning. And, and, um, and so, and with Stuart volunteering to sit out, that was our eight and that was what we were going to go with. And so, you know, that, that happened in, you know, a matter of five minutes, we, we kind of came to those conclusions and Robbie's writing them on the roster as we were talking about it. And, and, you know, we see the RNA guy walking by the hallway and he's, he's in desperate need of our, right, right. Of, our, of our, of our sheet to get it announced to the world. And so, uh, then we had to decide, you know, we, we're obviously going to play all 10 in the singles. And, you know, we had to figure out the order, um, you know, that we were going to send everybody out in. And, you know, I, you know, I, I assume we were going to still be down in the match going into the afternoon. I was hoping we'd make up some of the ground. But, um, you know, I just didn't know what, this, you know, I was hopeful. But, I, you know, you just don't know. Right. And, and, uh, so we, we decided, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Caleb Surratt's and he was, he was in good form. We knew it was going to be windy. And, you know, if you've watched Caleb hit a golf shot, I mean, he hits it like a bullet and it just, the wind just doesn't bother his golf ball much. And he, he has that just, just fortitude and toughness that, you really want. And I just felt like he was going to get us off to a good start. And I asked him to go out first. And, um, that was, you know, that was obviously a good decision. I felt like, you know, you know, I, I kind of worked backwards. I said, who, who, you know, if this thing goes to the 10th match, you know, who can get the point? And I thought, well, I've watched David Ford for two years and David's just been, He's been magnificent. You know, he's a wonder, wonderful player, great putter. I knew he was putting well. And uh, with the wind, I, I felt like, okay, maybe they're not going to, you know, they're going to miss some greens. And his short game, you know, is is really above, way above average. And I just, I just felt like we could count on David for that final point if it came down to him. And, uh, and Austin Greaser has got a great match play record and he's, you know, tenacious and he's a little older, I think, you know, putting him in the ninth spot, you know, I felt that it was a signal to those two guys. This is going to be a very close match. We were still behind and, yeah. uh, it may come down to you two guys. And so that, that was the reason I had them in the ninth and 10th spot. And, you know, I kind of worked, worked my way back to the top from there. And, um, but, but anyway, we made some good decisions and, uh, and the guys, the guys rose to the, to the challenge and 
played terrific in the morning and we closed the gap and, uh, and then of course we had a great afternoon. Although, you know, it, it, you know, we, those matches were all close and, you know, a lot yeah. of them went to the eight, a lot of them went to the 18th hole. And, um, so, but, you know, we were obviously fortunate to win. It could have, you know, it, it really could have gone either way. Uh, uh, even late in the afternoon, this thing was very, very much unresolved. And, uh, I spent most of my time back in the seven, eight, nine, you know, the seven, eight, nine, and 10, spots i i the guys up front that we sent out early you know really were off to a good start uh with the exception of nick dunlap who was four down and uh you know and you know i didn't count them out but i you know in my mind that was probably a point we were going to lose and i knew it was going to really be close and i i spent a lot of time back with greaser and david ford and Robbie kind of worked the front end of the lineup on, and, you know, he was out there and kind of feeding me information. And so, you know, as it, Caleb was off to a great start and then Nick started kind of nibbling away and, and, you know, that half point he earned by getting, you know, that win uh, on the 18th hole was big. And I think that was a big shot in the arm to the rest of the team. And, uh, we had kind of a saying during the week, um, you know, we talked about there was going to be different momentum shifts, you know, throughout the match. And, and, you know, even when you were two or three down, uh, let's not crumble. And so we used the visual of, of, uh, frankly, I, I, it was, it was something I had read from Paul McGinley, you know, and, and it was, let's be the rock. And, you know, we had a, we had a poster we put up in the team room of, of a, a big wave hitting a rock and, you know, obviously the rock's still standing there. And yeah. so, you know, the message was you're going to get punched in the jaw and, and, you know, you can either go to your knees and, and surrender or you can stand there and continue to fight and, and be strong like that rock. And so, uh, and that's frankly what Nick did. I mean, he just battled, you know, right down to the last shot. And, and that half point was, was, was huge in my mind. And, and one of the things I think, you know, looking back on, I was really proud, proud of him for, uh, for, for, you know, that was, that was bigger than a win, frankly, in my mind. And so, um, but, you know, it was, uh, it was touch and go and uh, it was a lot of fun late, late in the day and the crowds were very big and, yeah. Um, uh, it, you know, and they were obviously, you know, we had a lot of support there, but, but the overall, you knew when they made a birdie, uh, oh, yeah. it was pretty loud. It was pretty loud. And, and so, um, yeah, you didn't surrender a point until, uh, the seven match and the eight match that was Gabrelsic and James Gabrelsic lost to Jack Bingham three and two and Ben James lost in the 18th to Mark power. So, I mean, you really, you, know, you didn't surrender a, a point uh, until uh, the very end and then Greaser and Ford come through and, you know, not to backtrack a little bit, but I just, you know, just listening to you talk about setting the pairings for Sunday morning, you know, you mentioned Dunlap and Sargent, you know, like you said, they only won one up and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the haze in the barn, you got the cup uh, back here in the States, but man, I just kept thinking about, 
if the GB and I guys can even get a half or somehow beat Dunlap and Sargent, and you you know just just a single point, I know in the grand scheme of things, it's something you can not easily come back from. But but wow, um, just thinking about if they were able to knock off uh, you know the world number one and the U.S. Amateur champion, that thing might have looked completely different on Sunday afternoon. Well, no question about it. Yeah, I just <laughs> it was. I saw that. Yeah. And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> they got it. Yeah, I mean, they got it. They said, you know, hey, we're not, you know, like you said, they they said to you, you know, we're not going to lose, and they're right. But I just kept thinking, like that that kind of for me. I mean, I, I know there's so many matches and so many shots, but I think it really all came down to that match for some reason. Yeah, yeah, it was a big it was a big match, and and of course Gordon was awesome. He won four points. He won every match. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he, everybody's knows, you know, about his proficiency and, and power, you know, in driving a golf ball, but you know, he made some big putts yeah. and hit some beautiful short shots. And, you know, he's obviously, uh, you know, he's already, you know, essentially earned his tour card. I yeah. mean, he's, 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 there's no question in my mind, Gordon's going to be a big star and it was nice to see him, you know, during, during the course of the week we were together, uh, you know, he showed, he showed some personality, uh, that I hadn't seen up until that point. And, um, just, just a marvelous guy. I mean, I, I was blessed. I, I, you know, looking back on it, uh, we had to leave some nice players behind and, and great kids and, you know, I was blessed with the 10 that I was able to take over and, and, uh, you know, I, I'd go to battle with those 10 uh, again, anytime, anywhere. And now thanks to you, we know that Gordon Sargent loves cardigans. So that I feel <laughs> no matter who listens to this episode, it's been a lot of great information you're sharing, but that, I mean, I'm just glad we got that. I mean, that's, that's important. Well, um, you're, uh, you know, U.S. wins, uh, you know, we, we all the, the hoopla and the excitement and everyone's hugging and, and just I know that uh, the party went into the late evening, but I, I want to ask you about a couple of quick things before I let you go. Um, you, uh, that closing ceremony, uh, you give a lot of speeches as the Walker Cup captain. You, you've, you've done that just as, just as an amateur, just in, in your travels and your, your, you know, work life, but um was that one of the most, um, I mean, uh, I don't want to say pressure packed, but I mean, that had to have been one of the most special moments of your life. That speech right there. Cause I saw, I saw you, you were, you were, you held it together, but the, the wheels were starting to come off a little bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. I, I didn't write the winning speech until, lunchtime of the final day oh, uh, wow. after, okay. after the morning session. And it didn't take me long. Obviously, uh, I had the night before I had, had worked on, the, uh, what I was going to say had, you know, if we were defeated. Right. Uh, and so I spent more time on that than I did on, on what I would say, you know, if we were lucky enough to win. Sure. Uh, but, um, you know, I think what I really wanted to say was, uh, and, and I think I said was, you know, at the end of the day, we, we won the cup, we retained the cup, we were able to bring it back to the U S. Uh, and that's, that's obviously wonderful for us, but it really, and I look back at their team and, and, 
I just said there were no losers in this competition. I mean, they, they played their hearts out. They uh, represented their countries, uh, you know, with a lot of class. They had a magnificent captain and, and, and Stuart. And so, you know, really, when you think about what's been going on in the game of golf, I mean, in, in all of the game of golf, I mean, you've got you know, this fracture in the pro game, you've got, you've got the governing bodies at odds with the other major golfing uh, bodies over, you know, equipment and uh, golf balls. And, and, you know, it just, there's just a lot of friction in the game, uh, despite the fact they're playing for all these great sums of money. And here we are in front of, you know, 10,000 people at the home of golf on a magnificent day. Um, playing for just the love of the game and, and really the game of golf won. And I think golf is way better because there's, there's events like the Walker cup that are really just about competition and also, you know, the friendships and the goodwill that, that really comes out of those types of competition. And so, um, you know, that's really what I wanted to convey. And, and, you know, we, we, um, you know, we heard a few chants of USA, but I, you know, to me, you know, I wanted our guys to, you know, I played on a losing team and, you know, I knew how bad they were hurting and I wanted our guys to comport themselves with, with class. And I think they really did. And, you know, we had some fun, but, um, we, we, we knew we, we were fortunate to come out with a win and, those guys earned my, my admiration and, and, you know, I know they're going to go on and do some great things in the future. And so anyway, it was, yeah, it was emotional. Um, you know, it, it was a culmination of really, you know, almost a, an adult life of trying to get yourself into a position where someday you could play on a team or obviously even, even better to captain a team. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was emotional for me and, and, um, I, I was happy I got through it uh, without yeah. breaking down, but, uh, um, anyway, yeah, you, it you was, ha- uh, well, it was other, a special moment. Yeah. And the other thing that I just, uh, remembered you saying is you said, I believe it was in a press conference or it was, it was in some area and if I'm wrong, correct me, but I believe you said it was like the highlight of your amateur golf career, which really kind of, you know, I mean, completely understandable, but, I mean, not to brag on your record, but, you know, you've played in 68 USGA championships. You've won a U.S. Mid-Am, and you played on the Walker Cup team. And we're not even going to get started on what you've done in the state of Iowa because Gene Elliott's listening, and I don't want to depress him. I mean, you know, I don't want to get him all upset. But, you know, you've you've won a lot of tournaments and played in a lot of great things and, and just, you know, low am and senior opens. And for this, for you to say that this was, I mean, this was the highlight of your amateur career, wasn't it? Yeah, it really, it really was. I mean, in part because, um, you know, to be asked to do it, it's a great honor. So yeah. obviously somebody thinks enough of you to give you that opportunity. And then, and then really it was just the, you know, sort of the culmination of, of reaching, you know, some lifelong goals, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I really look to guys like Buddy Marucci and Danny Yates and, 
Downing Gray and, and, you know, Nathaniel Crosby. I mean, these are guys that have been friends of mine. I've obviously looked up to, um, uh, you know, John Harris, you know, I actually had John speak to the team and, uh, you know, these, these were people that were role models and, you know, the Walker cup was a big part of their life. And, and, you know, it, you know, I just felt like I, I finally can put a period behind a lot of efforts that I've, I made it. And, uh, you know, and obviously it turned out the way you hope it would. And, and so, um, just, you know, sort of relief, Sure, <laughs> it was a big yeah. feeling of relief and, and, uh, and, you know, I wasn't so concerned, you know, with the accomplishment of the team winning. I mean, I, I had great players and, uh, they, they're the ones who won the match and they hit the shots and, uh, but, but it was, it was special to be a part of that and, and, and play a role in that. And so a great way to a great, great cherry on top of a, a long life in golf. Yeah. Well said. Well, I will let you uh, get out of here. I know that listeners would want me to dive into the uh, the post uh, the post Walker Cup festivities and the parties and all the the fun stuff that went on in in perhaps some some pubs around town or um, or or back at the hotel. <laughs> but see, I'm going to be a professional, Mike. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But what I am going to ask you to do is. Is there a player on the team that I can reach out to for for a podcast episode that would give me some good stories? Who should I talk to that's got a good story about maybe the early morning flight home that I know is at like I think he left the hotel at like seven a.m. Who do, who right. who do I need to who do I need to reach out to that's going to give me some juice? Well, I you know uh, I I would say. What, one of the things that I really, you know, admired about this group was how professional and mature they were right. through the whole process. And even when we went to the Dunvegan on Sunday night, you know, these guys had no interest in, in having their first beer in Scotland. There was no, no um, there was nobody that uh, really wanted a beer. Uh, no. So, so frankly, uh, I, 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 I do give Stuart, I mean, not only was Stuart a great leader during the match and in the team room, but he, he really made certain these guys uh, celebrated it in, in a classy way. Yes. And, and he, um, you know, again, showed great leadership in that respect too, because, you know, he, he got the cup and we, we did, we did uh, after we, you know, kind of had our had our fun in the team room, and we did go over and toast the GB and I guys yes. and thanked them for a great match. And um, everybody changed clothes and took a quick shower. And 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 uh, maybe everybody, but David Ford, who I think was still under the weather. Yeah, uh, we went we went up to Rusak's uh, the rooftop, and it was full of Americans, kind of celebrating. And it was fun to walk in there with the cup. And, uh, and, you know, we spent about a half hour kind of milling around and taking pictures with the trophy with a lot of people that were there to support us. And, and then Stuart did, uh, get us in the back room. We had a private room and, and we did all take a drink out of the cup. And, uh, uh, and that was, that was Stuart making sure all the guys, 
uh, understood what, what, what they accomplished. Yeah. And this is something that they're going to want to remember. Um, and then from there, uh, after we, we kind of celebrated that and had a couple pizzas, we, we uh, walked back up to the Dunvegan and it was wall to wall people. And, and we, we really, uh, you know, the, we, we, we continued the celebration for probably another hour and uh it was just a great they were great hosts to us and yeah. and we had a lot of fun and so you know but so i think you know you might you might talk to um preston Summerhays. Uh, oh. you know he he kind of showed a different uh you know, it's, the, it's I, the quiet ones that have that clean cut look that just say all the you just yeah. you can't trust those guys i'm telling you yeah all I right. think Preston, you know, Preston let his hair down a little more than I thought he was there. And, right. and he, uh, he had some fun and, um, and, uh, you know, it was good to see, it was good to see the guys enjoy it and smile and, and laugh. And, and, uh, it was a great way to celebrate together and nobody, nothing got out of hand and, and everybody answered the bell, uh, Friday morning and, uh, I think there was a couple sore heads, but not, not too many. And, and, uh, we made it to the airport in good time. And other than Nick Grabelsic losing his passport, oh. it was uh, pretty uneventful. So As we, I have, by the way, I did hear that story and I also have confirmed that Nick is back in the country. So we, we have, yes. we, we do have custody. We do know where Grabelsic is. Um, I think I also remember, uh, Robbie saying, wear whatever the hell you want to on the plane ride home, which I think no one was happier than to hear that than Ben James. Um, so, so that's good. Uh, you know, the cup made it back. You made it back. The team, the guys are all back in yeah. school and, uh, right. and, and then Stewart celebrated, uh, his Walker cup win by winning the U S mid amateur, which is just, uh, um, yeah, I got to talk to him about that too, because that's a little, bit, yeah, that's a, little yeah, that's a whole, that's, that's, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. We're, well, I'm going to talk to him about that. I, I want to, yeah, that's a whole other, but he's, you know, again, I, you know, I, I have, I mean, I always admired Stu for his golf game, but, um, you know, to do what he's done over, you know, really the last three or four weeks of the summer, starting really at the Western, yeah. the Walker cop how he handled himself. He was a great leader. Um, and, you know, someday he'll be a great captain, you know, he'll captain, uh, you know, a Walker cup team without a doubt. And yeah. he'll be fantastic at it. And then, you know, to go, you know, really on, on a quick turnaround and go right to the mid amateur after, you know, all these big weeks leading up to it. And he just, you know, just, it just shows his grit and heart and, and what he accomplished and, and how he did it. I watched him. Uh, um, and he, I mean, it was like, it was like, you know, I don't think Rory McElroy would have had a chance that week with Stewart. I mean, Stewart was not going to, nobody was going to beat Stewart that week. He had that look in his eye and I watched him hit shot after shot that just, you know, was right in the middle of the club face and never left, never left the, the flag. And, and, uh, I don't know how many putts that were conceded, you know, for birdie because he, he literally knocked them right up against the hole. Uh, he just, he's at a different level right now. And, and um, uh, you need to spend some time talking to him because he's, 
that, you know, he's going to be one of the greatest amateurs, you know, of this generation yeah. and maybe one of the greatest amateurs of all time. And so I, um, you know, I, I always admired his golf, but I really admire him as a person and, uh, he's going to, he's going to keep doing big things in the game. So, yeah, but anyway, it was a great, it was a great, uh, experience. I'm, I'm happy to turn the reins over to Nathan Smith and I know he's going to do a great job at Cypress point 25 and, and, you know, I'm, I'll be there to help him and cheer him on. And, and, uh, but, but I'm, I'm ready to pass the pass the pass the responsibilities on to the next I, the next uh, guy. I was just about to ask you what's next for uh, Mike McCoy, and it sounds to me that it's just maybe like a week in the Bahamas. I think that's where yeah. you're at right about now. You're just like, hey. yeah, I think I think my wife deserves a, a week in the Bahamas and and some some R and R. So okay. we're gonna try and get that we're gonna get that done sometime this fall, but. Uh, but anyway, and and you know, Ben, just thank you for for being there. You you um, you you took a lot of photographs, and um, you know your support over the summer of the Elite Amateur Series and um, everything you do to promote the amateur game, and and it's it, you know it was great having you there. And I know the guys were were thrilled you were there, and and so. Yeah, I, I'm, fun. you know, thank, thank you for making that big, big investment of your time. And, 100%. Uh, no, it, was, it was a fun highlight for me was, uh, um, it was fun getting that picture with the boys up on the, the bridge and, um, and then also just, you know, getting to celebrate with them, uh, at the, uh, uh, Dunvegan and, uh, um, just being around after yeah. everyone can relax and well i i really appreciate the time today and I, and also just the entire summer i just enjoyed just the entire journey of this uh, of, of how this walker cup team uh, was formed and how they uh, handled everything over there in st andrews um, obviously just a such a historical uh, event and a memory they'll have for the lifetime so uh, go get some rest. Uh, you and your wife get to the Bahamas as quickly as possible and uh, uh, enjoyed it. I appreciate you being here again at the back of the range. Well, thanks, Ben. It was good good to talk to you, and, and I'm sure our paths will cross soon. And there you have it. Special thanks to Mike McCoy for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the back of the range.